I've realized that so much of it is not personal and where that's really hard as a dancer to not think that your whole person, right, is being evaluated by that list on the board or your whole worth at that moment in the company. Sometimes it's just the way the pieces fall into place. Welcome to the Artist Becoming Podcast. Hey, Jess. Hey, Shelby, a five, six, seven, eight. Join us in weekly conversations with performing artists across stages, studios, rinks, fields, and screens. Every conversation, a chance to dive deep into the story of their becoming. All right, Shelby, let's get on into it. This episode's conversation features our guest, Kathleen Breen Combs, director of Festival Ballet Providence and former principal dancer with the Boston Ballet. She's a true artist becoming. Here we go. Hello and welcome Kathleen Breen Combs to Artist Becoming. Thank you so much for joining Jessica and I today. What a gift to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh my God, I'm tickled. I have absolute butterflies. Um, (laughs) (laughs) As I always did, watching and sharing studios and stages with you during our time together in Boston Ballet. Um, And since then, you have gone on to just embody so many more girl boss leadership roles. Um, Right now, you're serving as director for Festival Ballet Providence. Um, and for our audience, just to kind of context set around the, the legacy of your career as an artist, would you mind taking us back to your beginning and giving us just a, a little winding path of the road that led you to where you are right now? Yeah, I started ballet because I wasn't walking by like 14 months. So the doctor decided to put me, told my mom to put me in some sort of like creative movement class. And he was worried that my leg muscles would never develop. <laughs> so, no, my mom, no, <laughs> <laughs> so my mom loved ballet um, and she put me in ballet. And then from there, I mean, I never remember a moment um, where I questioned whether this was what I wanted to do or what I didn't want to do. It was like my life, you know, from like age eight, I remember um, Fort Worth Ballet came to city center in New York and they were doing Cinderella and I was one of the fairy attendants and I literally like walked on stage holding the cape and like put it down and I just stand there and leave and I was like sold. I was like, this is my life. <laughs> I love every moment about this. <laughs> I love being on stage. I love everything. Um, and so um, my family moved quite a bit. And by the time I was 14, I realized that this was something I just absolutely loved. And um, where we were at the moment, uh, there wasn't a huge school. So I had auditioned for the Herod Conservatory, which was also close to a really dear teacher of mine, Magda Onion, down in South Florida. So she promised my parents she would keep an eye on me. And I went to Herod for three years. And at that time, it was only a three-year program. Um, And I, I started in my freshman year. So I by the end of three years, I was going to finish. So I graduated high school a year early and then kind of had this year of flux of what to do. I was 17. My parents had just ironically moved to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is right next to CPYB. (laughs) So I was like, well, I'll train here for a year, which worked out perfectly because I went from this really Russian school down at Harrod a little bit of French, but mostly Russian technique. And then I got to spend a year at CPYB 
more, you know, like focusing more on the balancing technique, musicality, all of this. And I spent that year auditioning. And I think I auditioned for 20 companies and on the 20th, I got a job. <laughs> so, um, and I got a job with Washington Ballet at that point. And I had, I had really wanted to dance for Boston Ballet, like since I was younger, one of the guest artists had come down when I was little and Boston Ballet was like my, you know, where I wanted to go. And they were having a change of directorship and the director at the time didn't see me there. So I took this job at Washington Ballet and then the next week they called and said, oh, well, we have a spot in BB2, would you take it? And I was like, I just signed my contract here. So I ended up going to Washington Ballet, which was the best thing for me, <laughs> you know, ended up being amazing for me because I danced like crazy for three years. I got introduced to neoclassical, much more contemporary, I was on stage a ton and I absolutely enjoyed every moment of it. Um, got to dance with that team. It was just like a, the best experience for me thrown out there. Got all my fear out, you know, of just getting on stage in a professional setting. And I was 21 and I was like, I knew if I wanted to get into a bigger company that now is the time. Yeah. Um, so I auditioned for Boston and Miko had just taken over. So I joined there when I was 21 and then got promoted every two years <laughs> to principal and then spent 10 years as a principal dancer and then decided it was time to move on. <laughs> well, there was a lot that led up to moving on, yeah. but I don't know if you want to go further or we can, we can wait for that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I think one of the first things you just spoke to that is, is so relevant is that you, you spoke to how very early on you were like, ballet is my life, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you went on to have this extensive career. And when you say 21, you know, oh, 21, I went to Boston. And I'm in my mind thinking about that number just seems absurd to me. And we hear that like, oh, 17, I got into the company. I'm like, these are... <laughs> not even fully formed I think the age is 25 or something when that first like fully formed kind of brain identity development happens and I'm thinking wow all these guests we're having like this is a very young age to be so defined so to have achieved such a high professional kind of benchmark already and that link between your identity of, as a person and your identity as a dancer, obviously that dancer identity was so strong so early on for you. So my question is, was there ever a moment for you, and it sounds like there probably was because you chose to, you know, after 10 years as a principal, you know, you moved on and began new chapters in your life. Was there a moment where you were feeling this sort of crack in that dancer identity or a, or a disconnect from it? Or what was your relationship to self, to your identity, to yourself, to your identity as a dancer, and maybe any challenges that you faced in that kind of identity crisis, let's call it. Yeah. <laughs> if it was, and maybe it was not. Yeah, no, I'd say there were many cracks. Right? <laughs> like we we all know how hard this career is and like, and that question of, am I going to make it? Am I not? You know, and I think every kind of step and decision I took moving forward was there was a choice, you know, and I, I would say like the biggest one when I was 17 at Herod and I did not have the typical 
long body, especially at 17, like my body went through a big change. Um, and at that point, some of the teachers there were like, well, you know, you're really, you get really good grades. Maybe college is the best route for you. And I had to take a moment. And I remember my mom saying to me, like, it's one person's opinion mm-hmm. of what your career should be. And if this is something you want to do, then you need to kind of push that aside and go find some place where they agree with what you think. Yeah. And I think that learning that early on was so helpful to me because then as I took jobs, I only wanted to be in places that somebody wanted me to be there, Yeah. you know, and that's such a big, a big deal. Um, because if you're, you know, if you're not on the same page as where you are, it's just not going to work. <laughs> so as, as every step forward, I realized that. What you, um, something that you just said that I think is so key, and I don't think that that's the norm, is that you wanted to be in places that wanted you. And I think that the mindset, unfortunately, for a lot of artists is like, if they don't want me, how can I convince them? Can I work a little harder? Can I get a little smaller? Can I jump a little higher? Like we, and it, it, it actually starts to bleed into other areas of life where you develop a mentality that's like almost conditioned to believe you should, you can convince someone to want you rather than that really kind of powerful mindset of being like, no, I'm going to go to the plate. I'm going to show up fully for the places that, that actually want me. And I think that's probably why when you entered at Boston, like you said, it was a two year boom, 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 because you were at a place that wanted you. So you had room to grow like to actually flourish yeah well it's like trying to get like a square piece into a circular bag you know like and and there's this idea that oh I have to be in New York City Ballet I have to be in ABT because those those are the biggest companies and that's where I have to fit in and you might not right Right. and you might and you might not be the director's cup of tea anywhere you go you know, you right. can be the death, best dancer in the world, but if that's not what they want or need in their company at that moment, it's not going to work. And I think every choice, every year when I signed my contract, I was like, am I going to be happy and okay with the place I'm in right now and my place within this company? You know, not where I want to be, where I hope to be, but like right now, the next season is this, am I going to be okay with signing this contract? And as once I sign it, then I have to be okay. Yeah, you know, otherwise I'd go somewhere else, and that was how I like made it through every year because you just accept it, right? Yeah, but it's it's choosing to play a very active role um, in something in an industry where the artists are not necessarily encouraged or informed or equipped to to show up to that choice. You know, it's more of like we're all just begging for our contracts to get renewed, and it just perpetuates this further power dynamic. Um, and then that's a trickle into how we can literally show up or not show up for ourselves in conversation. Um, and I'd love to know you, you know, you tell the story, like that pivotal piece of advice from your mom. And like, I have a, a similar nugget from my mom and I would love to know how that, that lesson, like, were there times in your career 
because even though you're renewing your contract each year, it's like, there's still, you're still weighing out pros and cons. Like ultimately, like maybe there's one more pro than con and that's why you decide to resign. And so I'm curious, like, are there times in your career when you had to step vulnerably into your worth and advocate for yourself in order to continue fostering a relationship that worked for you at a company? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And I, you know, I have to say that that took a while. Yeah. Like it took a while for me to feel confident in my own place to knock on that door and walk into that office. Okay. And say, you know, uh, this is what I believe I should be doing. And what do you believe I should be doing? And are we on the same page? Mm -hmm. You know, and that just even have that conversation takes a while. Right. And it, and it took me probably till I was several years into being a principal, you know, because at first you're just, like you said, you're, you're just so happy to be there. You're thirsty. thirsty. I don't even think I read my contract for a few years, which is a whole nother problem. (laughs) Yeah. Now I think now we're advocating more for people being aware of what they're signing, signing their name to, but I was just so thrilled to be there and have that opportunity. And then as like, I, you know, I, I started to realize um, who I was as a person and an artist and the roles I wanted to dance. And then also that idea that the, the career got shorter and I realized that it, that the time was, was getting closer yeah. and I didn't have the luxury of, oh, you know, 10 more years to do all of the things I wanted to do. Yeah. So I knew that every year kind of, it counted more. So I wanted to make sure I was in the right place to make sure I was fulfilled as an artist so that I was okay to step away when I did. What was was it? Like, what was the breaking point where you're like, you know what, I'm going in, I'm going to knock on that door. Like, was it, were you fed up? Like, cause I know that there's so many dancers out there that they, they want to do it, but they're just not sure it's the right time and they want their contract and, and they want all these kind of securities in what's just a very insecure industry. And so what was it that was the breaking point for you to step in? I know you have an amazing education. Maybe that had something to do with it or. Yeah. Perspective. And also just with the, I knew that even if I walked into the office and didn't get the answer that I wanted, I would feel better unloading mm-hmm. <laughs> and just making sure that my side was heard. And this is how I'm feeling. And now being on the other side, <laughs> I've, I've realized that so much of it is not personal and where that's really hard as a dancer to not think that your whole person, right, is being evaluated by that list on the board or your whole worth at that moment in the company is, you know, that it's like a personal attack on on you. And sometimes it's just the way the pieces fall into place. And that was the best decision at that time. And now it's easy, you know, I, I can see, and I'm like, I, okay, I see how these things happened and they worked, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the time when you're so invested in your art, right? And your bubble and what you want from your career, it's hard to step away and realize that. And you also, you know, you do need to sometimes advocate for yourself and make sure that, that your path is being seen just as much as everybody else's because it does ebb and flow right with the the ideas of the company and where you're going so a lot of things but I think for me it always felt better just to have my side heard 
you know, whether it changed, I just felt validated by um, voicing my opinion and feeling like I had a part in the decision, you know, rather than things just happening to me. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Something that you just said, and, and I think it's come up in other conversations is that it's not personal. And that links directly to that whole dancer identity that for a lot of people is so tight. And that's how those conversations with the director or in a company environment become personal because your personal identity is also wrapped into yourself as an employee. And so there's this like, there's not really an ability to look at yourself from the outside as an observer and be like, this has zero to do with, you know, Garen actually really spoke yeah. Uh, one of our guests, Garen, spoke to that of like, the no is the no. And like, it's not about you. And, you know, it, it, that's so hard for us dancers to kind of reconcile with that because we, we, and the art to us is deeply personal. That's the vessel from which we're like pulling from and, and creating. So, um, but the question, which you kind of already moved into about being a director, what for me, the question is, when did you, was there a moment when you were dancing that you started to think in your own mind, like, wow, I'd love to be, I'd love to be a director. Was that something you were planting or aware of before you reached that point? Or did you kind of like tumble into it by series of events? Or was that something that you were aware while you were dancing that you wanted to be able to step into that leadership position? And, and what was that mental shift for you? going from being the follower to the leader? Like, how did you, what was the challenges maybe associated with that? And, and also, yeah, what was your experience with that? That's kind of a big question, but. <laughs> yeah, lots of different points, but I'll start with, um, I always like dreamed of being a director. Like as I was dancing, I, I found myself, especially kind of, you know, towards like the last five years of my career being like, analyzing every decision that was made and being like that was a really great decision or I would have done that a little different or why was that done that way um and just kind of looking at things or um you know really figuring out like I would have I would have done it a little bit different which is terrifying because then when you're in the leadership position you're like oh okay oh it's now it's on me (laughs) how do I do that different (laughs) (laughs) okay, this is why it was done that way, or this is why it's so hard to implement change. And um, yeah, I mean, even my first year here, I was I was kind of forced into this uh, decision that was really, it was one of those moments I was sitting in my office and I was like, wow, this is how stuff gets swept under the rug because people in my position let it, Yeah, you know? And it was like, and it's scary. It's scary to be like, no, like I vowed to myself that I would not let that happen and I'm not going to, and I'm going to do things differently. Yeah. And I was like, like, you know, not okay. For, you know, it was, it was a big decision. Yeah. I was the first and I really had to make one of those hard decisions in my leadership position. But I felt so strongly that like, you know, for years you had said you would do things differently and here you are, like you can't back down now. So those moments are like, you know, like put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's, um, you know, that's been a lesson, I would say. 
and towards the end of my career, when I was, I was looking at all of, yeah, I would go on Dance USA and just like go through, I, this is when I knew I was like ready to start moving on. I would just go through the job listings and be like, I could do that. I could do that. Yeah. I apply for that. You know, and I just started like randomly looking at all the jobs that were available um, and what I could do. And when I got offered this job, I was worried because it was, you know, I, I originally joined as just the executive director and I, it was taking me totally outside of the art part, right? Which I was so close to. And I, I um, thought that I was fine with that, which I was at the moment, you know, like I really jumped into this headfirst, just focused on the business aspect. Can we, um, can we just highlight your academic credentials for the class? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, I graduated from Northeastern University um, with a degree in communications and management and then went on to get a master, well, graduate certificate in nonprofit management. While dancing so. as a principal and having children before you got this job. Okay, continue. <laughs> but I will say, going back to that, another moment, while I was on maternity leave, I went to Miko's office, the director in Boston, and I said, you know, I don't want to just like disappear. <laughs> um, I'm in school. Is there anything I can do to learn during these months where I'm not on stage? Like, I want to see the other side of the organization. I want to work on the other side. So he was like, let me think this is a great idea. Let me think we always need help. So I was able to, his assistant, who's incredible, Elizabeth Olds, she, she was like, why don't you assist me? So like, you'll learn from the artistic director side um, and also we'll put you down in development. So I worked as a development associate and they were doing a capital campaign at the moment for a brand new building. So I got to start to finish a full capital campaign, a $3.4 million capital campaign. It was incredible. Because of a cold ask. Yeah. Yeah. It was really great. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so we went, um, so I got to do that, but then I also got to do all of this stuff on the artistic side, all the auditions. Like I was kind of like the portal for auditions for that year. So I saw how everything worked. I was there for the casting and all the conversations. And so for me then to go back to dancing, I had this kind of like peephole into the other side for a year. So as I stepped back into the dancing side, um, I had such a different perspective, wow. you know, like, and I was able to sit in the audience and I realized I was watching, I think it was, I think on Yegan they were doing, and I was pregnant at the time where I just had ba a baby and I was, and I just remember watching it and feeling for the first time, like there was, I was like almost in tears, you know, like watching it and like overcome with emotion, but there was no sense of jealousy. There was no sense of, I wish I was up there, like I'm very much happy with where I was and like what I've done, wow. you know, which is a hard place to get to, yeah. as we all yeah. know, you know, when you're watching something that you're not a part of. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And so you, joined, so you joined Festival Ballet as their executive director. Yes. Yes. So, and yeah. So, and six months in pandemic. <laughs> So I will tell you, they don't teach you anything in college about how to run an arts organization during the pandemic. Oh my God. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's, it's been really interesting. And then our long-term artistic director retired at the beginning of September, 2020. And the board was like, 
can you handle both for the time being? We're in the middle of a pandemic. You know, is that possible? And I was like, absolutely, we've got this. You know, we can make this work. And then six months into that, they were like, you know what, this is really working. Um, you know, we'd like to keep things the way they are and you as the director. And if you can, you know, organize your team below you to really feel like you are supported and you have enough help, mm-hmm. you know, we'll move forward like this. So they changed my title to director in January. So here we are, <laughs> which is, yeah, we're still, we're still above water, which is great. <laughs> I mean, I think I were, I'm, I'm being mindful of your time um, as we wrap, like kind of come to the end of this. And I'm just really in awe, honestly, by this trajectory you've had and your ability to look at things, A, with your education and that background, but B, with your like really from being all the way inside of this from the very, very, very beginning, you know, um, as a little girl deciding at that point that you wanted this to be your life and then kind of how you've stepped into your power over the course of your career and over the course of all these different roles that you've taken on. And my question is, from where you stand now on this whole other side, what is, do you have like a sort of underlying either value or, or almost mission or motivation on what you kind of hope to leave behind like what from where you stand now is there a a perspective on sort of a legacy with how you wish to lead and and how you'd like to see our art form evolve or the industry Yeah. yeah I mean there's so much there right there's so much there I you know I came from a a very corporate run environment in terms of how an arts organization is run and it was very um top down you know one leader as much as the dancers were able to and as a principal I felt like I had more agency and you know ability to go in and speak on my on behalf of my own career there it was very much uh, a dictatorship, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, we're gonna just put it out there. Um, so, as I'm leading this organization, you know, I've I've encouraged my dancers to speak up for themselves. I've tried to make myself available to speak with them, and I've I've tried to kind of even the playing field that I'm only here to make my dancers as good as they can be. And I don't want there to be this um, feeling in a room that like I'm higher than the dancers, you know, like there's no hierarchy in terms. I wouldn't be here if the dancers weren't here. So I'm not above them. You know, I'm, I'm only there to, to organize it <laughs> in a way to move forward in a good way, but not to, to judge or to bring people down. And that's like huge in what I keep talking about the environment and you know what I want this company to be. I want the dancers to feel like they're in a room and they don't have to perform for me in class. You know, they don't, you know, every day is a process. I don't want them to feel like, um, you know, they're, they fall out of a pirouette one day and that's the end of their career. 
you know, I want them to feel like they're falling out of a pirouette because they're trying something new because that's what we've asked them to do daily yeah. is to test themselves. Um, and that's hard. It's hard because somebody has to make the hard decisions. And that's something I realized too, like inevitably there has to be somebody leading and making those decisions and having the vision. And some people will fall outside that vision. Yeah. And that's really hard too. You know, and that's a, it's a huge responsibility because you want everybody to feel welcome. You want everybody to be on that same path, um, but inevitably not everyone will. Yeah. Uh, so how that's to just make important. that environment. I think yeah. that's really important what you're saying because I think it's become easy because we're seeing a shift, right? We're seeing a communal acknowledgement that the dictatorship isn't working and that people aren't don't feel safe it's not healthy it's not sustainable but that doesn't mean we just throw all the marbles out I mean because we don't want that either it still is there still is a leader and we as followers as, as company members you know as artists you want a leader that you follow and you feel empowered to follow so it doesn't mean and some and there are boundaries there's I think that that's so important what you're speaking to I, I really value hearing that. And we haven't had actually, I don't think we've had a director that we've spoken we to. You were our first and foremost artist becoming director. <laughs> really, I really value that. Yeah. I do too. It's, yeah, it's a visibility that you don't often have until maybe you leave the career and have other job experience. And 20 years later, you get to reflect with some peace of mind about how things were and why you were triggered or offended or why things went a certain way in your career. And you are freshly out of your career, integrating the lessons and often hard won lessons of your experience as a successful artist. And you're parlaying that and translating it into this new form of informed leadership that is sensitive. It's still vision, mission driven, um, but it's, it's transparent and authentic in a way that I think a lot of our generation hasn't quite experienced yet in, um, in leadership. I, I hope so. Right. And like, that's, you know, the other day I did something, I put up casting on the board and I, I walked away and I was like, Oh my God, I totally forgot to put this person's name. And I ran up to the board and I wrote it in and I like stepped away again. And I was like, no, 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 no. And I took the whole thing down. I went back to my office because I knew how it felt when you were written in as an afterthought. Oh gosh. Right? Yeah. And yes. I was like, I don't want that person to feel like an afterthought. They certainly weren't. It was just, yeah. it flipped my mind. So I went back to my office. I retyped the whole thing. I printed it out and I put it up properly. Cause it was like, I know how that feels. Like that person's like, oh, thanks so much. (laughs) One thing in your day, right? And it took me two seconds to fix it. But it's that awareness of just, you know, how important these things are and the way you do them and and when you do them. And, you know, and there's been situations where I'm like, I should have communicated that better. But you learn, right? And like every time I do something and I and somebody comes in and says something I'm like, okay, mental note next time, you know, just, just try to be better, yeah, you know, and try to just be aware. I think that's the biggest thing, aware and, and open and make, and not fear-based, you know, that you can still create great art without fear, you know, a fear of people losing their job, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's the biggest thing. 
that it's possible. It's possible to have people who work hard and, you know, we're all driven already, right? From the time we're eight, you know, no one's lazy. So yeah. let's start there. Like everyone's <laughs> coming into work hard <laughs> yeah. and then to, you know, just to create art, it should be lovely to do. You know, it doesn't have to be dramatic and oppressive. It, you know, I want people to walk into this building and feel light. Right. Yeah. You remember like, as a dancer, like you would walk in and just be like, like when those, you know, like, you know, and I, yes, I get light, like, hey, that's, that's all I want. <laughs> I think something I'm hearing, it's sparking a bit of empathy in me is that there needs to be some grace held for the leaders right now, because there's, this is shifting. And as much as, as, as artists, we have to take our own accountability for how do we learn to use our voice? How do we learn to hold our boundaries? How do we take care of ourselves and recover? Leaders and staff and faculty are also experiencing their own shift and their own, they're being tested daily on how am I, am I going to reach for that, that old habit that Pat was passed down to me? Or am I going to move past this fear and choose something a little bit new and be on wobbly legs? And I think that there's, that's where the communal element is like from the top down, there has to be some grace while we all still hold structure and still, still hold vision, but grace for us all to expand and all to become and evolve, you know? And I will tell you that I have been a part of uh, many discussions with all of artistic directors around the world and this is very much a huge discussion. How do we move forward with different power yeah. shifts and dynamics and leadership? And you know, our art form has this old tradition, yeah. right? But how do we take that old tradition and honor it? Right. And still, you know, still the importance to the the whole art of it. You know, the perfection, the technique, and the class and everything. Yeah. But open that up to what is important now and the structures that are really, you know, important for us now. I love that. And I think that you're speaking to a topic that has been on our minds lately. One of our advisory board members brought to our attention that similar to the medical industry, there's an abundance of hidden curriculum within the arts industry. And it's not what's taught in class, but it's just what's socially conditioned as what is normal, what is accepted, what is perpetuated, what is endorsed, um, what patterns are just being further ingrained from one generation to the next. And it does take a very conscious brand uh, and vulnerable brand of leadership. And it's so energizing to hear that this conversation is being had at such high levels. Um, yeah. it's, it's so energizing and inspiring. And I just, when I look at you, Kathleen, I have so many images in my mind. Like I have you, like you're doing foresight. You're like walking downstairs on point as Cinderella with this glitter sparkle in your eye. And I just, uh, some of my favorite moments, um, of my career with Boston ballet, we're getting to share the stage with you because the way that you showed up as an artist, even a seasoned 10 year principal dancer was with this sensitivity and generosity and just dynamite layer of presence that you, you shared and you're continuing to do that in this role here. And I just, it is just 
it is just such a high honor to be in your presence. It always has been, and it always will be. Oh, thank you so much. That was so kind. I, yeah. You know, that's it's just really lovely to be on the other side and, and try to do better, you know, to, to, to look back and be like, well, how can we make it better and be in a position to, to have that authority, you know, and, and, and to understand the importance of that, that yeah. like, people like me are the the reason why things are perpetuated or, you know, cycles continue. And if people in my position start to say, no, we're going to, you know, do things a little bit differently, it'll shift, you know, it's really well. Thank you so much, Kathleen. And thank you for being such a, just such a support to Shelby and I, as we are creating this into artists becoming and, we are so grateful to have your voice and to be able to share it. This is, there's a lot of gems in this conversation. I'm very grateful. Thank you. Thank you both so much. I, you know, you know how much I appreciate what you guys are doing and how important it is to our dancers. I'm very lucky to have you. I wish I had this when I was younger. <laughs> Thank you. You got me. We honor you. Want to connect further with our community at Artists Becoming? Rate and review this podcast and subscribe to stay on top of our weekly guest artist conversations and our small chats, big topics. Check out www.artistbecoming.com to learn more about our monthly subscription membership filled with on-demand guided meditation and yummy yoga practices to support your unique journey as a performing artist. Follow along on Instagram at Artist Becoming for sneak peeks and inspiring content and DM us the dream artists, athletes, performers, psychologists that you'd love to hear from or topics you'd like for us to unpack. Sharing is caring, so fire up that group chat, share to your stories, comment, share, 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 and just stay connected with us. We are here for your becoming.